To really understand New York sports, you gotta breathe it, live it, experience it. Whether you're watching the Grom strike out batters at City Field, or watching Randall Barrett and the Knicks at the Garden, heck, even watching KD, Kyrie, or Harden drop 50 in Brooklyn. Whether you're a Yankees fan, Rangers fan, Giants fan, Jets fan, or even an Islanders fan, there's one thing they all got in common. They represent this city, just like this podcast does. Rotten Apple Sports. Tune in. Welcome back to the Ryan Apple Sports Podcast. It's your boy Los, and I got a very special guest for this episode, my boy Will. We're going to be discussing the New York Mets, everything New York Mets. And is there, and if there's anyone who loves the Mets as much as I do and thinks about ways to fix them and get this situation headed in the right direction is Will. Will, I want you to introduce yourself. Well, how you doing, everybody? Um, I'm Will. I'm a long-time Mets fan, suffering Mets fan. And uh, we're here, you know, as New Yorkers, as diehard Mets fans, to give you guys different angles on how the season is going to go next year, what our offseason will be like this year, and many, many more decisions that the Mets have to make that will shape the franchise for the next three to five years. Well, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned that because I want to start with this year and – how happy I was when I found out that Cohen was buying the Mets and we were finally getting rid of the Wilpons because, you know, the Wilpons had that stench of just not doing enough to win, doing enough just to keep the team. We all know going back to the Bernie Madoff situation where they did just enough so that they didn't have to lose the team like the Dodgers owners before. So when we heard Cohen was coming in, it looked like a breath of fresh air. Now, if you look Steve, at where, Steve is a fan. Steve's yeah. a fan. So, you know, Steve being a fan, it, 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 it relates to the issues and the pain that we've had as Mets fans for so long. So Steve coming in here and laying the groundwork to success. I know he put a lot of pressure on the franchise by saying a five-year plan to win the World Series. But as Mets fans and having so many heartbreaks for so many years, you know, five years it's not that long compared to the 30 something years we've had to wait for for a championship. It's funny. You mentioned that because being a net fan, uh, Mikel Prokhorov some years back also had a five year. If I, if I don't win the championship in five years, I'm going to get married. Hopefully this ends uh, a lot better than that does both in the five year period. And the fact that Cohen owns the team long-term because you know, Prokhorov sold a couple of years later. And, and again, there's so much to go into it's been a long season and, and the future, a lot of things lie ahead. I, I think where I want to start is coming into the season, I had so much hope for this offense, the young core, because we never had offensive players come up the system and play so well. It's always been pitching. And yeah. then you had your David right here, your Jose Reyes there, you know, not too many guys to, to look at. This year coming in, I was big on Dom Smith, Jeff McNeil. Conforto, of course, everybody loves Conforto. And it's been a lot of disappointment. In your opinion, who, who's the most disappointing player for you for this year? If you had to pick one. I would have to, it would have to be Conforto. Because Conforto was seen as coming into the season as a leader on this team. And um, I know you could be a leader on the clubhouse and, you know, you can, you can rally the troops. But your performance on the field is what talks. And Conforto has come out small this year. His average against left-handed hitting has been horrible. He has He's come up many times in clutch situations and hasn't produced. And being a big bat in front or behind Alonzo, wherever they're going to put him in the lineup, he hasn't produced. I know Louis tried his best by moving him down, giving him days off, and none of that stuff seemed to work. And um, Conforto has been a big, big, big disappointment. And it's a big decision for the franchise because I know he has a qualifying offer. And as a Boris client, those guys tend to test the field. But the Mets really have to think, do you really want to give this guy a long-term contract? Because you have to think about it. As going forward, you do, even though Cohen has deep pockets, you do want the financial flexibility to be able later on the line, make many moves. You know, this is not a, a one-year thing. And if you lock yourself down to Conforto, 
are you getting the Conforto from 2019? Are you getting the Conforto from 2015? Which Conforto are you getting? He's an inconsistent guy. And in my terms, not enough on the sample size for me to be able to give him a long-term deal. Again, if he's a Boris client that says, yes, I'll take the qualifying offer. You don't mind bringing him back on that type of deal because at the end of the day, if it's a bad year, you'll let him walk and you're done with him. But sitting him down for a long-term contract, I don't, I don't think it makes any sense for the franchise. Right now. It really does. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my opinion on the Conforto stuff, but since I have a different player, I'm going to mention my player first and, and tell you why, and then I'm definitely going to get back to Conforto. My, my player is Dom Smith. Now, maybe it was because of expectations I had coming into the year, but in the shortened season, he, he was so good. He, he looked like he turned the page. He added some power. Um, he was playing great defense, and I feel like he was a weapon. If he played some decent defense in left field, then you can play him in left field. You can play him at first. So I was really excited coming into the season, and in, in my opinion, he's the, he's the player um, that let the team down the most. And I, I know that sounds kind of messed up because it's a team and everything, but if I had to boil it down to one player, it, actually it was between him and McNeil, but – to me, McNeil in the last three years has proven he's a good hitter. And he said to himself earlier, they asked him, do you have any faith that, you know, you go back to being the hitter you were? And he said, yeah, I've done it for three years. He, he has a way bigger sample size than Dominic Smith. Another reason why I say is Dominic Smith is because we all expect the DH to come in next year. So with the DH supposedly coming in, I see it as you can either – leave Alonzo at first or you can put him to DH or you can have, you know, you can have Don Smith DH, but you can't have Don Smith DH if he's going to put up these numbers. I want a real, I want like an American League DH who rakes. The thing with Dom, Dom, you know, the thing with Dom in my eyes is that Dom is more of a complimentary piece. A lot of Met fans put too much pressure on Dom and thinking that Dom is a middle of the order bat. Dom is not a middle of the order bat. Dom is a, a bat that on a good team, he'll bat six, seven. On really good teams, I'm not going to lie, he may, he may bat eighth. Dom is not a guy from the middle, the middle of the order. He, the problem is with this season spiraling and with all, all these guys doing so bad, there was a lot of pressure on Dom now. Dom saw, okay, so Conforto's not hitting, Lindor's not hitting, McNeil's not hitting. Now, every time he came up, instead of being that gap hitter that Dom usually is, he goes gap to gap. He, he goes oppo. He was trying to hit the ball out, ball out, ball out every time. And the pitchers already knew him. He, had, he has a hole right under his arm. You pitch him a fastball up there, he's not going to catch up to it. So a lot of pitchers were getting up to dunk. And it's funny, you mentioned if we sign Conforto, it's obviously going to be for a lot more money than Dom. But the reason why I'm bringing up Conforto again is because you mentioned which Conforto we're going to get. So if you're looking at Dom's number, I'm, I'm not a big analytics guy like, to the point where it's everything, but I do like the OPS plus stat. So if you look at 2019, he was 132. 2020, he was 168. But 2018 and this year, he was 85 and 83. That's a completely different player. So which Dom Smith are we going to get? We're going to talk about this later in regards to everybody as a whole. I'm not a fan of trading guys when they're at their lowest value. And unfortunately for the Mets right now, if you want to talk about basically the whole team, Smith, that's basically the whole team. They all had bad years. Now, I said I was going to go back to Conforto because I'm a big Conforto fan, but I am afraid of giving him a long-term contract. And it's not just because of this year. It's because... Every year he's streaky for about a month and a half, and then he's on he's on fire one month. He's not on fire one month, and he he never turned out to be the player I expected. And again, maybe that's just me putting too high of an expectation for certain guys. So I'm I'm uh, definitely guilty on that. But if you're looking at Conforto's career, for the most part. He's very shaky, and I'm expecting when, – when I see Conforto, I'm expecting a 30-home run guy. 
I would love 100 RBIs. I know those are old school numbers, but things like that. Is he, when you think Conforto, do you think a middle of the order hitter? And for the contract he's going to get, I think you have to go in, go into that contract knowing that you're going to have a middle of the order hitter for however long that contract is. I have a problem with that. Now, I'll ask you this because this is very popular on Twitter I've seen. Are you a fan of offering him the qualifying offer just for the pick? Because you know it's a Boris guy. He's most likely definitely not going to take take the offer. So I'm guessing we're on the same page with taking the qualifying offer. He is. And I'll tell you, you know, that I speak to a lot of people. And, and a lot of people are saying that it's not a given that he doesn't take the offer at this point. That's how bad his season has been. That I don't think Scott is going to drop him out there to risk getting a, a, a one-year deal from somewhere else where he prefers to be in New York. So it, it, it's, it doesn't, it, it looks like, you know, okay, he's a Boris guy. They're going to look for the five-year deal. They, that's not a guarantee. There's not a lot of teams out there willing to give Michael Conforto a five, six-year deal. It's just not going to happen. It really isn't. Last offseason, I wanted Springer. And we heard from Martino and a couple other guys when the Mets fans were upset that they didn't get Springer or they didn't give the extra year. Now, we could argue that another time, whether it was worth giving Springer that money. But they made it a point to say they were saving their money to sign Conforto. Now, that doesn't mean you have to sign Conforto to compound the mistake of not signing Springer, but they actually they had it in their mind that they were going to spend X amount of dollars. I'm wondering if, like you said, if there's not that much hype out there for him, maybe they bring him back at a short, shortish term deal at lower money. Maybe that works out. But just in case they don't, let's go over some guys who can replace him in the outfield because when I look at you know, this I already team, have a favorite guy yeah, in my head. When he, I look he, at he, this team, this outfield, first of all, the the the, the team itself, the the core guys, I'm ready to split it. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's time, and sometimes it's too many years of the same thing. You can't make changes off a rim. And it's a bad season, and you you make changes you're gonna regret. But I think it's time at this point. I think they they've been given enough years together, and I'm, like I said, let's start with the outfield. If the Mets do not bring Conforto back, let us know. I know you said you got one guy already, but let us know that that person and, and maybe there's a couple other names we should be on the lookout for, or who you would who well, you would be on the lookout for. I think this guy, you know, I've wanted. I've wanted the Mets to really look at him since he was in Detroit. And then during that, during that run, when we made a 19, he could have really been a missing piece that we could have had. He went to Chicago and that's Nicholas Castellanos. I think Nicholas Castellanos on this team, the leadership, the guy is gritty. He's tough. He has pop. Nick right now, if you look at his numbers on a Cincinnati team, you know, they, they, they faded away and, you know, for the playoff berth, but he had him there. That's he, 309, 33 homers, 97 RBIs. That's a that's an impact bat in the middle of the lineup. You put a guy like that behind Alonzo, there's damage. And the guy's a really good outfield. You know, he, he doesn't get the credit like a lot of those other guys do on the outfield defensively. But he holds his own. He has an above-average arm. And the guy can hit. You can hit in the clutch. And that's what the Mets are needing. The Mets are needing guys that in those tight games, they look at the guy behind Alonzo and say, man, we're going to have to pitch to this guy. I don't want to pitch to him. And Nick, he really, really fits that for me. He's, he's a guy with good personality. It will fit New York. He's played with the Cubs. He's been teammates with Baez. This is a guy that fits perfectly from here for me. That's that's really the that's really on the top of the list for outfielders. Nick Castellanos is one A for me. I know that there's been a lot of talk about Nimmo, and he's approved a little bit in center field. I also know from talking with you in the past that you're big on getting a a real center fielder per se to replace him. Now I'm a huge Nimmo guy. The problem with Nimmo is he doesn't play enough. 
He's always hurt. I liken him to Karis LeVert on a, the team. He used to be on the Nets. You know, he would play pretty good, and he'd always find a way to get hurt. If it wasn't his foot, it'd be his knee, it'd be his back, it'd be his shoulder. Nemo's kind of the same way. Now, I'm not saying I don't want Nemo to be on the team because when he does play, he produces. I, I love the guy. That being said, I think me and you both agree we're huge fans of Starling Marte. We've been, Marte yeah, we've is, been on this for a couple of years. The only question yes, is yes. now, is he still a center fielder? Can he still play center field? Because that's a big question. And if he can, I'm not going to ask if he's an upgrade because I believe he's an upgrade over Nemo. But would you feel comfortable starting Marte in center field? You know, Starling is 32. And you look at it, you don't really think that. You think, oh, man, at 32 years old. But, Carlos, the guy's a winner, man. Everywhere he goes, he produces. He single-handedly took the Marlins to the playoffs last year. In the second half, once they trade, once they brought him over from Pittsburgh in that trade, you know, he really did his work. And, and looking now, he went to Oakland. He's producing. The guy has a 311 batting average, and he gets on base. He has 45 stolen bases. You see, you don't have to sell me on Marte offensively. It's just I question, and maybe I'm wrong, I question maybe how many years he has left in center field. But that would be the issue. Um, how long of a contract are we giving him? Because if, you know, if he's a placeholder for two, three years, Let's say Starlin, because I'm not I'm not willing to break the bank on a lot of years. So let's say you give him a three year deal for three years. Starling in center field, I think he can hold his own. I really do. I really th I really think you can hold his own for three years. That's that's not a bad investment because you can get speed. The, this team lacks a lot of sp like speed in general. It's just not good on this yeah. team. And it's truly funny because we're naming guys that we wanted a couple years back. Now, speaking of guys we wanted a couple years back, maybe even a couple months back, um, you missed it. You mentioned Castellanos. I don't think there's a chance he comes here. But my main guy in free agency, even over Javier Baez, if I'm being honest, is Chris Bryant. I love Chris Bryant. I just love that you could put him at third. I love you could put him in right field. You could put him in center. You could, you could put him almost anywhere. He plays multiple positions. He hits for power. My I question to you I is. I don't think he's Chris coming. Bro I don't think he's coming, though. But let's say, let's say, he, let's say he's willing, he's open to conversation. And, yeah. and the Mets, you know, they, you know, they, they talk. We talk in years and numbers. Is it a given that we can bring Brian and Bias? Like, I'm not understanding why it has to be one or the other. I think Cohen knows that Javi wants to be here. I'm so happy you brought that up because I don't want to sound like this is the Wopon days. But when you look at where the Mets are now with their contracts, and this is before, we haven't even started talking pitching, which is going to be a, a big thing we have to talk about. But they're going to be up to almost near $200 million before they even make any moves, how I have to see Cohen have the appetite, the stomach to go 220, 230. I mean, well, both will you, be asking for a lot if you ask me, given the the, the current the, the 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 rate of roster is constructed right now. So now that you talk about that, so so every the fans listening can understand where we're coming from. The Mets have $135 million committed before arbitration. Yes. Right? Yeah. So they're going to have $35 million, and they have to spread that in between Diaz, Nemo, Alonzo, McNeil, Lugo, Castro, and Smith. Okay? So that's $170 million. Let's say they give Noah and Conforto the qualifying offer. That takes them to 210 I have to stop you right there because I was just talking with, with people earlier about this. I love Noah. But he hasn't pitched in two years. I can't offer him a qualifying offer. What if he takes it? $20 million. He hasn't pitched in two years. It's too well, much of a you, risk for me. That's I, a I, that's a 
I know, I know. It's a, it's a, that's a hot topic. That's a hot I topic. I know, and 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 we might as well talk about the rotation now because I'm about to go in when I'm thinking about payroll, and when you think about the rotation, the rotation is smack down where I look at. Because if you look at Conforto, if I'm correct, is he's making about 30, 35 million, right? Yeah. So that's 35 million for Conforto right there. We have to, in my opinion, resign Strowman, right? Because there's no yeah. one to replace him. So do I want to pay Marcus Strowman $25 million? Maybe not. Maybe I can get him for 20 for a multi-year deal. Maybe he'll take it, maybe not. But the bottom line is, even if he did come back, he's not coming back for less than 19 a year. Maybe. He's not. He's, he's he, not. he really isn't. So if you if you do 35 and 20, that's 55 for two pitchers. Now you're telling me you're going to offer a qualifying offer of another $20 million for Noah Syndergaard. That's $75 million right there. And Cookie Carrasco still on the team. He's still going to make, I think it's $12 or $13 million. That's an expensive exploitation. People, people take the Grom as, a, as granted. But, don't, do you know, don't, don't do this, please. Go ahead, people, but people I know take, what you're getting. People take the Grom as granted. But how do we, what do we know? Like, do we know officially that we can count on him in 2022? See, I thought you were going somewhere else. I thought you was going to Martino's article where, you know, his friends say he's not very happy with the new ownership and stuff. And, and I know you're like me. We don't really trust Martino. So, you know, and, and, and he no likes disrespect. to stir the pot. So, no disrespect, because so I, I know he works for the team. And, but I know he, he's ingrained in SNY and ingrained in the old ownership. So he would like to stir the pot, like you say, and have nothing but Cohen not look great compared to, to the Will Ponds, you know? Mm-hmm. So I take everything he says with a grain of salt. Now, well, what you're saying makes more sense. How can how do we know if he's gonna be able to pitch next year? It's the Mets. They're just nuts. Like they had him, they had him doing all these side sessions and everything. And and earlier today, Rojas said if the games were important, he he might have pitched. No. So that means he wasn't ready. Because if the if the Mets needed this series and he couldn't pitch, that means he wasn't ready. It wasn't so ready. Why wouldn't he pitch? It it, it just, you know. This may be the reason why the Grom is a little upset. If if let's play devil advocate, yeah, Martino's article is correct, and the Grom is upset. It could be because we've ran through two general managers in how long? Yeah, Sandy's there, and then this would probably be the reason why he's mad because Sandy talked about the tear in his arm, and I know the Grom is very, very, very a low key guy. He doesn't like his information out there. I know. As, as reporters and as podcasters, we want information. We want it as soon as we ask for it. And I know maybe it came out the wrong way because I know Sandy is not like that. I know Sandy wasn't going to just blur something out and make the Grom look bad after he said, you know, my elbow's fine, but then all of a sudden I got a tear. And it, I know he didn't mean it that way. And that may be the reason why he's upset. You know, we can't put it past it. The guy's human. He could get upset. But he's we're going to have to take care of him financially because he has an out. He, he's probably also upset because he's tired of losing. Yeah. Shohei Atani today said he, he wants to win, and he signed for like two more years. The grounds, you know, he's getting paid, but the guy wants to win. He's done everything else. He's one side young. So he went to the All-Star Games. He's, he wants to win, and I, we want them to win. We do. So, so this, is why time. This, this is why this rotation is such a big question mark, and it – I try to follow, peek up with the with the minor leagues as much as I can, but some of the guys down there that I'm interested in that might be here in a couple of years. Bottom line is they won't be ready next year. So I'm gonna be really honest with you. Be Batty, Vientos, Alvarez, Ginn, Mauricio, all those guys. That's 23 season and on. We yeah. have to worry about. Yeah, we gotta next worry year. about that down the line. They cannot, yeah. The Tyler McGill, nice story. The guy, you know, he gave us what he had. He had been pushed. Yeah. Have Tyron Walker. What do we get from Tyron Walker next year? I'm, you know? hoping, I'm hoping Tyron Walker's issue was he pitched too many innings this year. Because last year, you know, the last couple of years he's been dealing with injury. 
So, but again, that's a hope. But Taiwan Walker was signed to be a fourth or fifth starter here. The season went to hell, and he, <clears throat> excuse me, and he was depended on to be the number two starter. There's a, there's a difference, you know. If if the if the Mets could situate this thing, and Tyron Walker is your fourth or fifth starter, I'm okay with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot I'm gonna shoot to you. I'm gonna shoot to you. If we have if the rotation as 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 proceeded, right? Let's say the ground. Those are guarantees, right? You have Carrasco and Tyron Walker because Walker has a an option. You know he's picking that up. So there's the Grom, Carrasco, and Walker. You have three right there, right? We're not counting Stroman because Stroman's a free agent. So really, you have the Grom, Carrasco, and Walker as your only guarantees going into 2022. You have a, a the Grom who hasn't pitched in July 7th in a real major league game. Carrasco, who spent most of the year hurt, who's going to need a whole ramp up. And Walker, who he needs his innings managed next year because he might hit another wall. So basically, we're guaranteed there's no guarantees in the rotation yet for 2022. And that doesn't count if we have to pay Marcus Stroman. And then looking at this free agent list, who really is there that you are enamored with? A whole as, bunch of guys. As a starter? Yes. This, I, I'm looking at the list and I'm yeah, not seeing um, anybody that really, you know, gets, the, rings a bell. Off the top of my head, maybe Gossman. Maybe. But, um... No, we got to keep, we do, gotta do keep you, Strowman. We got to keep Strowman. Where, where do you, where do you, uh, let's say we say we get, we get Stroh and Stroh comes back, right? That's the ground, Carrasco, Walker, and Strowman. There's where the Syndergaard question becomes an important one. Mm-hmm. Because do you give Syndergaard the qualifying offer? And if he accepts it, is he a guaranteed in your rotation? Or do you go after a guy like an Eduardo Rodriguez from Boston? A low-end fifth starter, you know, that you can plug in in there. That's that's assuming that you're getting full health from the Grom and Carrasco at the top of the rotation. I I don't feel comfortable giving Noah Syndergaard the qualifying offer. It's just too much money. We don't know if he's, you know, he's a question mark. Noah wants to stay here, I believe. The Mets want to keep him, I believe. Let's see if we can talk a one-year deal. Like the Yankees signed um, Kluber one year is ten million, right? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay if if he's okay with that one year ten million, maybe a couple more of incentives. I want to keep him. Don't get me wrong. I just don't want to give him the chance to make an automatically guaranteed twenty million. The Mets gave Stroman the qualifying offer last year, and I'll be honest, I don't think they thought he was gonna take it. I certainly didn't think he was gonna take it. They, 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 they gambled with that because they thought maybe at 18 million, he would say, no, I'm going to hit the market. But with COVID and him having not pitched the year before, he said, you know what? I'm picking this money up because that's guaranteed money. And that's the same thing that Noah's going to do. Noah's not going to leave. He's pitch in two years now. Yes, he's not leaving that money on the table. And this is why I can't offer it. And I, I know a that's lot gonna of people disagree. That's going to rub a lot of meth fans the wrong way. I'm going to tell already, you. It already has. A lot of people disagree with me. I I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, one of the, I'm one of the guys that says he's already here. You know him. Yes. I, I know. I know. It, you know, you think about it and you, oh, man, do I really want to give this guy all his money? But think about it this way. Let's say he doesn't. He, he can't be pushed as much as you want him to. He's an intriguing arm back there in, that, in the back end of that bullpen, if you think about it. Because what he can give you as a setup man, in my eyes, a John Smoltz type, where you could bring him in there, he can, and you could sit stiff him in the back end of the rotation. You imagine an eighth inning of Syndergaard and then shooting it in the ninth to Diaz. Not a lot of teams have that dominant speed in the back of that bullpen. And I think, you know, we look at it as just okay. He's gonna be a starter, but the Mets are a very analytical team. They're they're you know they're very hands on. So I I'm guaranteed this thought has crossed their mind already. I'm telling you, this is gonna be a crazy crazy off season. Now I think it's fair. I think it's smart to bring up the fact we have to see who's gonna be making these decisions, and. 
I got to say, last year, I don't know if it was the COVID or it was the inexperience, but the search for the president slash GM last year, it looked like a mess from if you follow whatever the media says. Cohen wanted to talk to certain people and he didn't understand that, you know, you can't just hire people from other teams, which I'm sure he wanted to do. And we just, it just felt like we heard a bunch of retread names. And when it turned out that they hired no one and Sandy was going to do it, I'm done with Sandy. I, I respect everything he's done for the Mets. I thank him for what he's done, but they need a new voice. And this is before all this craziness happened with, you know, the sexual harassment and everything, which, you know, which is a big deal because he's, he hired these guys. One, one so, sexual harassment and the other guys driving drunk. Yeah. Look, and it's an, is an issue because it was a four, it was a rushed sale. So I, I'm feeling the guys didn't have enough time to fill out, especially because it was COVID. So basically yeah. we were jumping into a season really quick. They didn't have enough time to really install a search the way they wanted. But if, if, the name that's out there, I don't know, me and you, we've went through this name before. But if 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 the if the rumor about Billy Bean, you know, being the guy that wants to come here, Carlos, man, you got to do that because the guy with no payroll in Oakland has the magic with that team. I, I just wanted to be known. Um... This is like Bryant and the fact that I want this guy and I know there's almost zero chance he's coming. But last year, I wanted them to try to get uh, David Stearns. This year, I want them to try to get David Stearns from Milwaukee. The problem is they're not, gonna, they're not just going to give him away. He's done an amazing job in Milwaukee. But he's a guy in a perfect world, even more than Epstein, even more than Bean. He's the guy I wish they could get. Now, crossing him off the list. Because in my mind, that's not happening. Bean is intriguing. The only problem I have with Bean is I, I kind of wanted to get somebody younger who will be here a while and you know could build, you know, could be build with the team. But when it comes to his performance, it's hard to argue with what Bean has accomplished in Oakland every year, having to play musical chairs with players. And I'm pretty sure there was one guys that he wanted to sign. He just couldn't. And I, I saw that as an argument. What has Billy Bean won? Billy Bean, who just let your best players leave. You Do you think he let them leave because he wanted to? I think in a perfect world, he would have signed Giambi back then and Damon back then. It's just that he didn't have the chance to. Here, you would think with Cohen's money that he'd be able to uh, play money ball with money, you know, to say. Real money, with real money. Yeah. Now, and here's another thing. He might just even come as the president because I believe in Oakland, he's not even the general manager anymore, right? He, he He's above that. So maybe he comes in as the president and hires his own GM. All I'm saying is, like you said, Billy Bean is a name you have to take seriously and have to seriously look in if he wants to come here. Another thing that we could look at is his idol was Sandy Alderson. So I'm pretty sure he would love to work under Sandy. And if anybody see Moneyball, you see the Mets drafted him and it never worked out for him as a player. What a story it would be. What a story would be if he turned it around as the executive and came and bought a winner here. I'll leave it at that. Billy's an intriguing name, man. I've, I've always admired what he's done in Oakland. I think with, with the type of financial flexibility that he would have here, you could only imagine the kind of things he would do. But that being said, you know, Billy is going to come in here and Billy's going to want his own guy. He's going to want to, you know, bring his own guy on the field. And That's the, thing that the thing that I tell Mets fans is, Billy's going to want to bring Melvin with him. That's going to be part of a package deal. He's going to want to bring Melvin in here. He's going to want to have him as the manager. I don't know how many men fans, I don't know, a lot of men fans wanted the Mets to go a little younger, to go, you know, with more experience in the dugout. It's 50-50. But to me, is if you could bring Billy Bean, I don't care who he brings in here. 
bring Billy has to come to New York if the option is there for him to come. And if, if Melvin is, is part of the package, you'll take it because Billy has been dealing with the day-to-day situation as president of operations. David Frost has been the GM in Oakland the last few years. So Billy, at this point, if he comes in here to run ship, it's going to be in heaven because he's been in financial restraints in Oakland. Here with the Mets, you'll have all the money for him to play with. I could just, I could just, the possibilities are endless and, and it makes it not only intriguing, but fun for the next few years. I, I just like to point out, we're talking about the money as, as it's a given and I'm hoping it's a given, but you know, until we see him blow past that 210 number, we don't know, but I'm going to, I'm going to, it's just logical that they have to blow past it if they want to improve. That's the bottom line. They're going to, they're going to have to blow by at least for a few years. You know, the collective bargaining is coming. So that kind of, all those numbers are going to shift as, as things come. And then also, you know, in 23, Cano's money comes off the books. So, you know, you have more, you have more money that's going to be coming off. And I know that's a subject that's sour for everyone. It's really sour. And I have a, 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 a less than popular take on Cano. But I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it to you first. I want you to tell me how you feel. I've seen, I know you're passionate about this subject. So I'm going to let you shoot it. And then I'm going to give you my unpopular opinion. Oh, you, oh, you want to hear what I got to say? Well, I think it's very clear. Everybody knows. I don't want Cano to take another at bat for this team. It's not my money. And given the situation, maybe it's unfair to expect them just to eat. Well, he had one or two years left. He's here to 23. So he has 22, mm-hmm. and it comes off on 23. So I think it's another another two years. Yeah. Canos here for two more years. Yeah. It might be unfair to ask them to eat two years worth of contract. Uh, you know what? Jesus. As I'm, as I'm saying, as I'm saying this, I'm understanding that he's probably going to be here, especially they might want him to even DH. Yep. It's yep. just one of those things where the guy got popped for steroids again. Was he good because he took steroids or was he the guy the first year he was here? I, uh, you're right. It's a very, it's a very, it's a but subject that gets me you know, very angry. So I got to. This is the opinion. I want him I'm gone. Gonna, but he's not going to be gone. I, I'm going to tell you this. In a lot of circles that I've been in, and you know that I, I got people that I talk to in the game, Cano's a respected figure. The Latino ball players love Robinson Cano. There is not one player that you could talk to, players in the minor leagues now, veteran players, retired players. Cano is a respected player. He's a respected player. And in that, in that lock, locker room, he would have made a difference this year. And even in the lineup. Cano in that lineup would have extended the lineup. He's a power bat. During the turbulent times, you would have had another voice in there that would have calmed shit down. You know, I know a lot of people get upset. Oh, Cano's an older guy. You, know, you don't want to bring him back. He's 40, washed you know? up. But Cano, listen, the Mets are trying to, I know you think about, oh, you want to get rid of this guy because he makes a lot of money. He got popped with the steroids. He is a repeated offender and yada, yada, yada. I get it. You know, I'm not the morale police. I'm not, the guy does what he does with his own body. I'm not going to worry about that. But if you think about it this way, a lot of those guys in there, Lindor, Baez, Diaz, a lot of those guys, Respect Robinson Cano. Do you really want to shut Cano down and tell him go home? What president does that show in that locker room? That's a that's you know that's a full that's a that's a that's a mostly Latin now clubhouse with a respected figure like Robinson Cano. I understand Cano is a cheat in a lot of people's eyes, but again, Steve has money, but until. It's not, a, it's not an endless loop of, of, of cash. He's not going to sit on all this money he's paying Cano. He's going to pay Cano all that money to sit home, then go sign three or four other players. This is, a, it, this is the problem. This is the problem. So it looks like we're probably going to be stuck with him. I mean, if he's here, I'm going to root for him. You know, I want my team to win. I'm just giving you my opinion that I'd rather he not be on the team. But 
situation dictates which way you go. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's here. Now, I like to go from Cano to the young guys. When I mean young guys, I mean guys not even on the team who I know are not going to be up next year. But I have PTSD from Brody trading every prospect known to man to get veterans here. And that's the problem. That's part of the reason why the uh, the farm system is in the spot it is, which they have some good players, but it's not very deep. And we saw that, you know, this October, I mean, this uh, trade deadline with the, there's a couple of guys that we might have to add on to the 40 man in the off season. Give me a guy or two on that list that you're excited to see play, even though you know they're not going to be playing anytime soon for the Mets, but you're excited to see them added to the 40 men and possibly maybe coming up towards the end of next year or, or be here two years from now. Well, the first one will be Mark Viento. You know, Mark, we've heard about Mark for a few years. And, you know, after the Mets got Lindor, a lot of people love oh, Vientos, no more Vientos. Got to trade Vientos. They put Vientos in every trade package I've heard. Since, since the Mets could be able to trade a player. But Vientos, a kid that this year, 286, 24 homers, 62 RBIs, a 942 OPS. The kid was raking down there. A young kid, you know. These are the type of players the Mets need to really corral in the minor leagues and, and, and develop to come up here and produce for us. Semi the Dodgers. The Dodgers go and they spend money on players they know are necessary. But a lot of these guys that come up are from the minor leagues. Urias, the catcher, Smith. All these guys are from the minors. They came, they put, they're all Dodger-grown players. And they come and they, and they just substitute what the team they have. So Vientos come in here, you know, the Mets holding on to a guy like Vientos, it is imperative that they have a guy like that and, 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 you know, and mold them because how many times have we've traded guys to other teams and they come back and they're studs and we we're here again, drafting another guy and another guy and another guy, hoping the guy pans out. Now that we have these guys here, we might as well mold them and keep them here. And Vientos is on the top of my list on this 40 man next year to keep an eye on because if the kid, continues to rake, won't be long before you see him wearing the, the colors in Queens. Vientos is a guy that just got to AAA. It seems like a week or two ago. He's been hitting, he's been hitting good. He's been hitting well. Um, I got to go with uh, Ronnie Mauricio. I feel like it was just yesterday. This kid was like 17, 18 in spring training, looking like this little stick figure. He reminded me of Alfonso Soriano. He was so skinny. And now I, I seen him. He's bulked up. He's added some power. Obviously, they're going to add him to the 40, man. <laughs> they're not going to leave him out. But he, he's a guy that, again, just like Vientos, when, when the Mets uh, traded for Lindor and signed him long term, I automatically thought, okay, where's he going to play? Are the Mets going to use him in trade talks? I still have that question now. I mean, he's got more time because he's a little younger, but he's progressing through the system. And you got you to ask yourself, Batty, Vientos, Mauricio, where are these guys going to play eventually? I don't think that's going to have anything to do with what they do in free agency. But then again, it might. Like, like, like this uh, offseason we just came off, Obviously, I, like a lot of Mets fans, wanted JT Remuto. It didn't seem like he wanted to come here. I McCann was the obvious second choice because they needed a catcher. I wasn't a fan of his. I was definitely not a fan of a four-year deal. Now, Alvarez eating up the minor leagues, power like, like no other 24 home runs in a, in a, in a league where he's younger than the average players in that league. So it's going to take a while for him to come to the bigs, but it's, this is part of the situation where you, you mentioned the Dodgers and getting cheap labor. I like to call it 
The Mets need to find guys where they can get cheap labor. You look at this roster, it's getting costly. It's getting costly fast. And you're going to need guys to punch into spots like, like uh, Alvarez eventually, a Mauricio eventually, a Batty eventually, a Vientos eventually. It's very important the Mets get this system together because it, it really is a difference between being able to make deals at the deadline or not, um, keeping seasons alive when people get hurt or not. It's very important. And the first step in that is to make sure they protect the right guys in the on the 40-man roster. Now, I'm going to ask you uh, about a pitcher real quick. I don't know if you know much about him, but uh, correct me if I'm saying this correctly, Jose but Butto? Butto? Jose, yes, Jose Butto. Yeah, I was. I saw a thing on him on, I believe it was SNY. It was like a minor league profile on him. And he seems to be somebody that's, raising up the ranks rapidly and i mentioned it because like we said we've mentioned about the mets having problems with their rotation and needing options of guys who can come up next year if somebody gets hurt or if they need to start the year with somebody who's probably not proven 100 percent. so i'm i'm gonna be real interested in the in the coming months of guys particularly starters who can come in and it can help. And he's a name that I've seen as a, as a fast riser in the, in the. Budo's a raw, a raw guy. So he's, you know, he's, he's a bigger dude, six one two oh two, And um he's 23. So, you know, he's, he's somebody that you can keep your eyes on. Yeah. To come up that, here. So come up here. And, you know, you. Exactly. You know, you bring him into spring training. You don't know what you can get. Some guys like that surprise. Keep your eye on them. You know, in the minors, if you need an arm later on in the year, somebody you could bring them. Just like Adam Aller is another guy that the Mets have down there, you know, who doesn't pop a name. To, oh, you look at his stats, you're like, oh, but, you know, 3.30, keeps the ball in the ballpark. Those are guys that you keep there because, you know, organizational depth, it may look like we didn't have any, but the Mets signed a lot of guys in the offseason, pitching-wise. The problem is everybody got hurt. Everyone got hurt that the Mets signed, from Yamamoto to Lucchese and all those guys. Everybody got hurt. So organizational depth is very important for the Mets. Um, I'm looking at a guy like Khalil Lee in the outfield. You know, people forget about Khalil, but Khalil's having an amazing year. I'm shocked they didn't bring him up for the last couple of weeks just to show what he can do. You know, I, I know in their, I know in their eyes it wasn't a lost season yet, but the writing's been on the wall for a long time. They have they didn't play good for a majority of the season. I, I I saw somewhere that they were the the stat was they spent 103 days in first place, and that's the most days in first place ever for a team that didn't make the playoffs. That's a major league record. It's unbelievable. So you ask yourself, are the Mets this close or are they far? Like, it's so hard to think about. They just missed the playoffs and everybody underperformed. But then you see how bad they've been like the last 70-ish, 80-ish games. They've been really bad. So they are a really bad team that was just in first because nobody else could get it together early in the year. Or they are a team that you could say, you know what? All these injuries, they didn't really have a chance. It's, it's really tough. And whoever comes in, whoever that person is, is going to have a lot of tough decisions to make. They, they never really got themselves, you know, off the hump. I, I beckon back to a game. that I, I was even in attendance, so I, I know we've spoken about it. That Pittsburgh game before the All-Star break where they blew a five-run lead in the ninth. Yeah. The Mets have never looked back after that game. They went to Pittsburgh the next weekend and got destroyed. And I think their morale got shot. After that, they haven't been the same baseball team. And Tyron Walker was never the same since the All-Star break. I know a lot of players weren't. And there's so much more that we can talk about with this team. But I think I have to say I killed Lindor for the most part. But he's having a strong end to the season. I think he's getting more comfortable. I think Javi Baez here had something to do with it. 
I pulled up a stat on Lindor, as a matter of fact, that I want you to see here. Okay. 21 of his 59 RBIs have been in September. Yeah, I mean, I just think he's he's starting to get more comfortable. I mean, it sucks that uh, time's won out in the season, but I think it should help us next year. I'll, I'll leave you with this when it comes to Lindor. First of all, are you are you pro bringing Javi Baez back? Oh, I'm a big I'm a big Javi guy. Okay. Let me tell you, Javi Javi is everything you want in your team. He's yeah. passion, he's speed, he's 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 just uh, he's the he's a complete player. Let me tell you that. Is there a number, not 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 you as an owner, but you as someone who's looking at this of whether it makes sense or not for the Mets? Is there a number, whether it's years and amount of money, where you say you can't bring them back at that number? It's a lot of. It's gonna be tough because he's he, they're gonna have to. He's obviously gonna have, not going to get Lindor money. All right. So let's say, let's say let's say let's say let's say low end six for one twenty five. Oh, I could do that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Because you know the high end of that would be seven for for two hundred. I'd rather not six, but the the money. Would you do? Would you do, would you do seven for two hundred? Wait a minute. Seven for two hundred. He's a prime, he's a prime, his numbers yeah. will tell you the second that he, yeah. he's, he's killed with the Mets. If you look at it, he's had better numbers than Cespedes when Cespedes got traded here. The problem is that we haven't won. So would, would you, would you, let's say, I'm going to put you on. Right, I'll put it, I'll put it this way. I'll put, I'll put it this way. If it doesn't affect other things getting done, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Well, okay, put it this way. You're looking at, uh, let's say we go. 160, 175. You do 175 for six years. 175 for six. How old is he? 29? Yeah. 29 million a year. That makes him happy. That's not a bad contract because it's only six years. He's the second baseman, so he's not taking a pounding. If Cohen is the owner, I think he's going to be. Then yes, I, I'll do that. You know, Lindor has influence. Yeah, no, and and this is why I ask, because he clearly looked like his play picked up when Bias got here. And you know what sucks? And maybe it would have not made a difference. I was just hoping that when Bias got here, Lindor was healthy, because they missed about what I want to say two weeks where yeah. Lindor was hurt, and you know Bias was playing shortstop. So and then Bias got hurt, and Lindor was by himself. So they haven't really played that much together in this lineup. And Javi has been a spark since he's been here. I, he surprised me because you know I was a pro like Javi guy to bring him here, but he has done more than I thought he would. He's be, I've seen him every single day and how hard he plays and how fast he is, and he's a smart baseball player, very smart. On the base pads, very smart guy, and I think that that's something that rubs off on this team. This team needs that spark, that 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 juice going into the next season. I think those two guys up the middle, you know, for years to come, is something we won't have to worry about. I, I'm gonna spin it here. You have shortstop, you have second base, and first base. You know, those are covered because Alonso's gonna be there. You have Lindor and Baez. Let's say. Let's say we don't we don't get we don't get um Chris Bryant. Who's your third baseman? Well, if Cano's not the everyday DH, it might be Cano. But if you're talking about outside options besides Cano, and it's not yeah. Chris Bryant, see, you have, I have crazy answers that that'll never happen that I wish could happen, but never would happen. I'm on the, I'm on the Korea train. I'm on guys like that. That's that. Obviously, that's not gonna happen. But I mean, I mean, I love Carlos Correa. You know, seeing him a lot. But I'm not. I'm not sure I want to get. Not, I, I doubt they will put McNeil there. I don't even know if McNeil is gonna be on the team. Like guys like McNeil, Dom. I don't know if they're gonna be on the team. I've heard McNeil. I'm gonna give a nugget here. I've heard McNeil has rubbed people the wrong way in the organization. He doesn't have a lot of fans up there. 
And I know the front office is going to change and everything, but Sandy's still going to be around. He's still, he's still going to have influence on this team. I know Sandy might not be president. He might not be GM, but he's going to have some type of influence because him and Cohen are close. So Cohen is going to take his word for a lot of things. And he and McNeil in the clubhouse, in the front office, a lot of people, you know, are not big Jeff guys. So it's not a guarantee that McNeil is here next year. I'm a Jeff guy, personally. I'm a big fan of his. But to answer your question, the free agent class doesn't look like like you're going to find If it's not Chris Bryant, it's guys like Matt Carpenter, Kyle Seeger. You know, I'm not sure if anybody there um, gets you going. I do like Eduardo Escobar. But again, I don't want to get guys. He's going to be 33. I won't try. I want to try to keep the team as young and as athletic as I can. As I can. That's a good question. I don't know. With Billy being, if let's say Billy comes here, yes. Those... Yeah, I know. I know where you're going. Yes. If we can trade for him, yes. Those guys in Oakland. Those guys in Oakland. I, I'm sorry, I cut you off. But you can those get guys... me the third baseman, and you can get me the center fielder, and I'll be oh. happy. So Matt Chapman at third. Yes. A, I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know if the Mets got, you know, what they got to pay up for him. But um, yes, definitely. Because you put him at third. He he, you know, that's that's a third baseman now for a long time that you can stick there and not have to worry about third base for a while. So it's a it's it's a, all of these all of these things are intriguing because you you see. The options the Mets could go to it's gonna it's a fascinating offseason because this is the first time in a long time that besides the owner everything is in play everything so people are going in people are going in now and they're thinking they may not be here jobs not secure Lindor Lonzo McCann because he has to be here unless he gets traded I, I am also of, of, the, of the option of, of upgrading the catching position, so I, I'm not sure. I, I, I'm always of that of that uh, opinion, but I just don't see how they're going to do it. This guy signed for three more years, Alvarez. I think they're waiting for Alvarez. I don't know if they want to get a something, a short-term option. McCann's supposed to be the short-term option. I'm not a fan of his. I don't think I'm ever going to be a fan of his. I'll leave that at that. But... um. Quick question, because I know we're going to be wrapping up soon. If you can describe what the Mets are missing or or what they need in a few words, like when I look when I look at the Mets, I look I know I see I see guys that have no approach at the plate for whatever reason. Even when they're ahead in the count, I saw a stat a couple of weeks ago that. They're at the bottom of the league of average on fastballs, average on breaking balls. And I'm like, okay, you can hit the fastball. You can hit the breaking ball. When are you ever going to hit? So I, I guess what I'm trying to ask you is what's missing? What's missing from this team? Like besides speed, because obviously they have no speed, but what, what's missing? It's an organizational approach. I'm going to, I'm going to come to this because, with Brody, they had a certain way they did things. Brody's gone. They brought in Sandy. Sandy bring his guys. One of his guys gets fired. You have another guy here, the organization. They want launch angle. They want it's a lot of guys got stuck in that vortex. I you know, for example, is McNeil. McNeil was a guy that a few years ago, everything was on the floor. And if he hit a home run, you know, you'll take it. But this year and at the end of last year, everything was hitting the ball up, hitting the ball up. He wants to launch. He wants to hit the ball out. And that's not his game. A lot of these guys got messed up in, in the approaches because from year to year was something different. They have to stick to an organizational approach and work on that from the minors all the way up here because that's how winning teams are, are structured, i.e. the Cardinals, the Dodgers. Those are teams that from the minors all the way up, they do things a certain way, hitting, pitching, and it comes up and it works its fruition all the way up to the major league team. 
if the minor league approach is not good, if the organizational approach is not good, there is no winning here. It doesn't matter how many good players you bring because you're going to lose them. You're going to lose them in the approach. We need to have structure. Speaking about structure, last year, and I'm happy you mentioned it, you said you felt like it was a rush job to try to get the president in because the sell happened so late in the offseason. You know, they're out of the playoffs. They know they're out of the playoffs. They're going to have time. Starting with the manager, do you think the manager is situated right after the season, or do you think they try to hire someone first, a president, and see if that person wants to keep uh, Rojas? I know Sandy said if it was up to him, he'd keep Rojas. He likes Rojas. But, again, you got when you bring somebody in, you got to let them do their job. Let them hire their people. I've the, the, the GM is going to come in here. He's going to come in here. He's going to want to bring his own guy. And, and let's say he does decide to keep Rojas. He's going to want to talk to people in the organization about Louis. Louis. He's not going to go in blind and say, okay, you're going to be my manager. Because, again, they're going to have to extend Louis to multiple years. They can't bring him as a lame duck again next year. It's, you, can't have, you can't do that to a manager. There's no, there's no structure in the clubhouse. You cannot do that. You can't bring him as a lame duck for another year. And tell him, go run this team. Then things get bad, people are calling for his head. Either you're going to keep him here and give him a three-, four-year deal and let him run the team, or you're going to go get somebody else and give them the four years and say, here, four years, go do your thing. Let's get to the playoffs. Let's get some wins. Let's fix this team. Because you cannot bring Louis back here in a one year. It's not fair to him. He's not a bad guy. Louis is a really good guy. problem is that Louis was given, you know, a, a soup. With no ingredients, here, go do what you can with a bunch of skeletons. Because you got VR and PR, but those guys are not ev- those guys are not everyday players. Louis had to play those guys for a long time. Nito and and you know we had Khalil Lee up here at one point, Fargus and a whole bunch of other guys, and they expect Louis to have. He kept the team in first place for all that time with really nothing there because these guys weren't hitting. So again. It's an organizational thing. A guy comes in here, he's going to want to have his own guy. But, you know, you, if, if you're going to keep Louie, it has to be that you're going to give him the reins and say, here, here's your protection. Go take the team and go do your thing. But if not, if a new GM comes here, a new president of baseball operations and want to bring a new guy, then sadly to say, Louie will be gone. I have a love-hate thing going on with Louis because, like you said, he had him in first for a while when all the players were hurt. I just think towards the end of the season, he made some some managerial blunders that I think should be held against him. Also, it's hard for me to not get upset when he said some of the things he said. I know he's so positive, but you saw that the season was going down the cliff. I didn't want to hear his rah-rah, you know, we're going to be okay stuff, you know? And part of the problem is we don't know how much these managers are responsible for now. We don't even know if they write the lineup cards. You know, we know they they manage during the games, but with the performance team saying guys can't pitch on the second or third day, you don't know who's available. You know, they know, of course, because they're told ahead of time. So sometimes they're, t- they're managing with, with a hand behind their back. So if they keep them, like you said, whoever's here has to be on a multi-year deal. It's either going to be a new manager on a multi-year deal or it's going to be Louie. They're going to give him another chance and help for better health. And, um, you know, this will be his third year, I believe, his third year, so he'll have more experience. This is going to be a huge offseason. This is not going to be the only time we talk. I look forward to talking again. Any last words of wisdom for... Met fans struggling because they're going to have to see the Yankees and all these other teams in the playoffs, and they wait. And after that, let the people know where they can find you and let them know, I hear you got something something in the works coming up, someplace where they can hear you. So I'm going to give you the floor, and you go ahead. So this is an important offseason, top to bottom in the organization. You know, everybody's on notice. This was an unacceptable year. You know, we were sold something, and even though he said it was five years, the way the season started, a lot of people expected better than this. 
I know we were expecting a World Series right away, but at least we wanted to get in the playoffs and taste some of that playoff action. Don't jump ship. Don't get crazy. This is not the Will Ponds. There's no despair. We're actually going into the offseason. We're shopping in the gourmet section. We're not shopping at the bargain bins. So it's a, it's a different feeling because at least you know the owner cares. He's going to make enough to make sure that we this doesn't happen again. And you've seen his interaction with the fans on Twitter. He really cares. He wants, he wants to hear feedback. So, you know, as a diehard Met fan, as you are too, all these years, I know it's suffering. It's been sick since we've tasted postseason action almost. But don't despair. It'll be good next year. Um, I appreciate the space. People could uh go find me on my Instagram. There's a BX own Swizzy. That's B X O N O W N Z S W I Z Z Y on Instagram. Um, I have a few projects coming up, a pod, stuff like that. I'll be posting more information on my Instagram as still as things you know progress. It'll be there as soon as I get everything going on. But you'll definitely be hearing more from me, and I appreciate the space, Los. Appreciate it, man. Not a problem. We love the Mets, and that's the only way we can end this pod. Let's go Mets. <laughs>